Good morning. Good to be with you today. I'm uh, thankful for the opportunity to, to be here and the invitation to share uh, from God's Word, to share some things that I believe God has laid on my heart. Actually, the message I'm sharing this morning, it's not the first time I've used this message. As people like myself who go different churches, we can use the same message more than once, and uh, that's a good thing sometimes. But I've found that regardless of whether I preach the message before or not, I spend about as much time in preparation again, and uh, I just feel like I need to be renewed every time. Uh, I'm thankful for this church and for your standing for truth. And of course, the word truth is a vital part of what I'm sharing today, and I've heard that uh, more than once as uh, I've been here since uh, the beginning of Sunday school today. And uh, I want to recognize particularly the Bible study you have and Pastor Rogers' leadership there. If you have not been a part of that, I'm going to encourage you to be a part of it when it starts up again, if it's uh, convenient, and uh, if the Lord leads you to do that, because I find it's a, a very valuable ministry. I enjoy it. I consider it a learning opportunity for me, because I really appreciate Pastor Rogers' uh, not just uh, his gifts, but his skill and his study and his preparation. Uh, people sometimes ask questions, and there are questions, and I think, well, where is he going to go with this? You know where he goes? He said, well, let's open our Bible to such a passage. It goes to the Word to find the answer, to talk about whatever the subject is that's being talked about, and uh, that's so important. You have a handout this morning. If you want to lay that aside, stick it behind, in the back of your Bible, whatever. You don't have to follow that as I'm preaching this morning, but I trust you will use it as, as some reference at some point, as you wish to do. Uh, our message this morning is keyed in on that one verse that was uh, read this morning, verse 6 of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Let us pray. Lord, as we live in these days, these dark days, perilous times, I pray that today I preach not myself, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and myself your servant for Jesus' sake. For you, my God, who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and redeemer. Let nothing be said today that is not in accordance with your holy, your righteous, your inerrant word. It's interesting that uh, the scripture that was read here this morning, which contains my text, how many of you use uh, the daily bread? A few of you do. If you read it yesterday, you'll know that that's the same scripture that was in yesterday's daily bread. And that's, I like to see things like that. It's kind of encouraged me that I might be on the right track and so forth. And, uh, so I appreciate that. I want to go to 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 3. It's a scripture you're familiar with, but I want to use it as a little backdrop uh, for where we're going with the message today. We're talking about not only what God 
rejoices in, but what he doesn't rejoice in. And we should identify ourselves with God, the God of love, and God is love. And Jesus Christ, he says, I'm very God. Where you see me, you see the Father. So when we see the word love, we think of God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit as well, the triune God. But this know that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, and disobedient to parents, unholy, unthankful, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. I want that to stand out. Despisers of good. That's talking about in these perilous times in the world we live in. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of the God. Having a form of God in us, but denying the power, and from such, turn away. I want you to think about that scripture in contrast to what God loves. God does not rejoice. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, in iniquity, in evil. But God does. God's love does rejoice in the truth. And where do we find the truth? We find the truth in God. We find it in Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. We found it in his word, his inerrant word. Having said all that this morning, I would like now to think about the world in which we live, the world and iniquity. I don't want this message this morning to sound like I'm being very political. I'm sure as I'm talking this morning, you'll have in your mind some political overtones in what I say. And I make no apology for that. But more than anything this morning, at any time that I preach, I'm not caring about being politically correct or politically incorrect. I am concerned about being politically, being biblically correct. You all agree with that? We want to be biblically correct. And I'm sure one of the reasons why that you are now the covenant brethren, a covenant brethren church, it's because you believe that too. You want to be biblically correct. And I appreciate your stance on that. So let's think a little bit about this world and iniquity. It's sad indeed. It's sad indeed that our society and culture has changed like it has. It's changed the meaning and purpose for words. A matter of fact, society has added words in order to confuse us or to make it more difficult to argue with them. Take the word transgender. If you have an older dictionary, see if you can find the word transgender in your dictionary. It's not there. I looked. It's a new word made up because there is no such thing really. There is really no such thing as transgender. I'll hold to that. But society has made a lot of changes to how we look at things. Take the word love, for example. Now, we know what love is. Love is of God. There's Eros love, and there's Phileo love, and there's Agape love, God's love, God's sacrificial love. We have some idea from, as biblical Christians, of what love is. But in this world, it is used in such outlandish ways that for the world at large, it's lost its meaning. Secular Western culture pushes us to affirm that sinful actions can be excused under the word love. Like the word truth, 
We know what truth is. We've talked about that already a little bit. But in this world we live in today, well, let me just tell you something. My, our son, our younger son, who happens to be 45 now, uh, he came home from college one weekend, way back in 2000, I guess it was, or before that, and he said, my professor told us what truth is. Now, he didn't agree with this, but he wanted to tell us. He said, my professor says truth is whatever you believe it is. Now, if that were the case, where would we be today? Well, it's where we are in some cases. Back in the Kavanaugh hearings, remember, they talked about his truth and her truth. Truth is truth. It's not whether I believe it or not that makes it true. It's whether it is true or not. It's truth. Several years back, we were at annual conference. <clears throat> Excuse me. We were at annual conference, and I saw some people walking around with these unusual-looking scarves, but they were identical. Later on, I saw a few more of them begin to ask questions. What are these scarves? That those are rainbow scarves. And then I found out that they identified with the LGBTQ community. Pretty soon we saw more of them. Now, I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you. I'm sure you'll agree with me. How many of you have seen rainbows? Everyone, right? How many of you love to look at a rainbow? And I submit to you that if you've seen a pretty rainbow, one of the first things you want to do is to tell someone you saw a rainbow. You appreciate it. It's a thing of beauty. The rainbow is God's symbol, symbol of his promise to us, symbol of his faithfulness, going back to the Noah experience. But today that is misused. The rainbow itself is messed up in people's thinking. On the light side, just to calm it down a little, you've probably heard this happen before when uh, some ladies are in a room and a mouse runs across the floor and somebody jumps up on a chair and screams at the mouse. Those same people go to the computer screen and pick up a mouse and play with the computer. Well, we're not worried about that. I don't mind that misuse of it, but I'm still wondering why they call it a mouse and why not a spider. But, uh, but it's sad indeed that our culture seems to go along with even rejoice in that which is contrary to God's standard of righteousness. I mentioned the gender thing a moment ago. My Bible says that God created male and female. He created them for a purpose, to procreate. And I'll say as long as I live, a man is a man and a woman is a woman. In our society today, People appear before a hearing to become a Supreme Court justice and can't tell you what a woman is. I can tell you what a woman is. I'll not take time to do that. But I'm just saying that our society is wanting to mess things up. We have the stories about male prisoners who decide that they're a woman and they want to be in a female prison. And they allow them to do it. And then there's pregnancies result 
because those so-called women decided they weren't women anymore for their own purpose. Well, I don't want to get into deeply in all of that, but we could add things like, you know, men participating in women's sports and stuff like that, and just the kind of emerging of things to confuse things. Sad indeed when our, our government and our court systems legalize and promote the taking of preborn life. I am thankful now that our Supreme Court has taken a step in the right direction. I'm thankful for those who are willing to stand up for what is right and true, even though they're threatened, probably to the point of death. And we need to pray for those Supreme Court justices, among other things that we're praying for. But there is the move, and you've seen it just expand and become worse and worse regarding the abortion industry to promote the taking of human life, I call it, contrary to the grace of our Creator God. I know, according to scriptures, that before we are fully fashioned, that God knows us, which means I believe that life does begin at conception. I heard uh, a woman say who was being interviewed and there was some congressional thing and she made the statement that abortion saves lives. I heard, I read in the paper a few weeks ago, maybe not a couple weeks ago, a man from, a doctor from California said that one of the best things he does as a doctor is perform abortions. Sad indeed. Sad indeed. You see, the world has got it upside down. Isaiah said, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Sad indeed when our ruling systems embrace ungodly lifestyles, like those indicated in Romans chapter 1 where it talks about women with women, men with men, and calls it shameful. Sad indeed when our educational systems, universities on down, are promoting the inclusion of such things as sexual orientation propaganda, anti-God, anti-America teaching to neglect the reading, writing, and arithmetic, let alone biblical values. And then there's the CRT thing, the critical race theory which agenda is not to promote racial harmony, but only the opposite of that, as it turns out. Because critical race theory is, is uh, steeped with Marxist theology, Marxist teaching, which is class warfare, dividing with skin color, claims America was founded on racism, and advocates the overthrow of virtually every legal construct, construct in the nation, including the Constitution. It's really not about race, it's just about destruction. Sadder still is when we can count on our churches and our land to promote righteousness and holiness. But unfortunately, we can't count on all churches in our land doing that, as we've discovered in even the Church of the Brethren who softened on so many of those things. As a matter of fact, not only are they soft on it, 
In too many cases, they're actually promoting these same unbiblical lifestyles. I heard not too long ago, it was probably in the last year, that uh, Harvard, which was you know, founded like other uh, universities like that on biblical principles at one time, they hired a, uh, a new, new person to head up their uh, chaplaincy department. Well, that's fine, except he was an atheist. Go figure. The times we live in are troubled times, we know that. But they didn't just begin today. You know, there's been perilous times ever since Jesus has been around and before that too. But I submit to you that at least in our thinking and the way we see things, things are waxing worse and worse. As a matter of fact, even as I, the first time I preached uh, this message or a, a form of this message was two years ago. And since that time, things have waxed worse and worse. Things are worse than it was two years ago. As a matter of fact, you, have you heard the saying that what one generation criticizes, the next generation will condone, the next generation will accept, and the next generation will promote? Sound familiar? That's why we need to be teaching the truth to our kids from we little on up. Not only teaching, but training we're in a battle for truth, and what we're seeing pushed today has a major ambition in mind, and that is to destroy our thinking about Christianity, actually to destroy Christianity itself. Now, in the past, we can think that might be so, but it's becoming more and more obvious as they're more op open about that and the destruction of Christianity. Just think of some of the cancel culture things we see. I read a story not too long ago about a man who was a, a part of a, a comic book industry. And uh, he wrote a, a story in, com in the comic book that depicted a prisoner who found God while he was in prison. Guess what happened to him? He got canceled. The publisher would not publish it, and I guess canceled him. But that's where we are today. So what's the harm if such things continue? Well, Psalms 11.3 might give us a clue. If the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? Matthew Henry said, if you destroy the foundations, if you take good people off from their hope in God, if you can persuade them that their religion, their way of life is faulty, then Satan's got his foot in the door. The principles of biblical truth are the foundations on which our faith and hope stand and are built. We need truth to stand on. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For no other foundation can be laid than that which is Jesus Christ. I have a great concern. It's pretty obvious. But I want to be clear. But despite all I'm saying, I dare not rest on the actions of Washington, Harrisburg, or any other government agency, or the courts. But God is still on the throne, and he's the one I need to recognize. Hebrews 6, 19 says that we have a hope, which is an anchor 
both sure and steadfast. We sing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. We can talk about the last days. We can talk about how things are. Talk about the end of time and Jesus coming soon. But what is our response, our biblical response, our Christian response in the age in which we live? What shall we do now? Or how shall we then live, as Francis Schaeffer, I think, said? Or what manner of persons ought we to be, as the Apostle Peter said? Let me suggest to you this morning some, some thoughts that I think are very fundamental. We're living in perilous times. We're living in any time. If we claim to be Bible-believing Christians, then I think you will understand all that I'm saying. And I know that I'm preaching to the choir when I say all of this. But maybe you're here today and you really have not. You really have not yet found your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're looking for hope. You're looking for how to live in this time. Let me share some truth with you this morning. I believe that we need to know, first of all, who we are in Christ. And I want to emphasize that I'm talking about in Christ. Know who we are in Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. The Apostle Peter said in verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3, verse 16, that we're to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts and be ready always to give an answer to everyone who asks a reason of the hope that's in you. And I believe in my understanding of that, to sanctify the Lord God in the heart is to know who you are in Christ. And not just to think you are, but to know. To know that you know. John said that these things are written to you that you might know that you have eternal life because you believe in the Son of God. I've often heard uh, preachers say, and others, I guess, that to talk about you ought to know when you were saved, the, the date, the time, and so forth. And, and I, I understand that. But I've always had a problem with that. And maybe some of you might identify with that. I grew up in church. and uh, I mean, I didn't always go to church real regularly as a young child, but I kind of grew up in church. And uh, I've often thought about this and I've thought back on it. I, I want to know, you know, what he, they're talking about when they say you need to know when you were saved. And I've come to this conclusion, that back in 1948, when my father, who was in his 30s at that time, stood up in a revival meeting, and my brother stood up, and I stood up, and we made that decision then to accept the invitation to accept Christ. And I'll tell you right now, I didn't understand a whole lot of what I was doing. But you know, I believe with all of my heart that God knew what I was thinking. God knew what was on my heart. That I wasn't turning down. I didn't say, well, I'm not standing up. But rather, I did. And God accepted that. And it's like he said to me then, and I think back on it now and believe this. He said then, you made the decision. I'm going to take it from here. That didn't mean that I don't still have responsibility, but... He said, you may be unfaithful, but I'll be faithful to your commitment. Just like he said to Abraham. He made an agreement with Abraham. But God 
is the one who walked between the two rows of meat. Remember that in the scriptures? God is the one to walk through it. He said, we make this covenant, but I'm going to keep it. I'm going to be faithful to it, regardless of your failings, Abraham. And I've failed along the way. I've been unfaithful along the way, not in any great extreme ways. But I can tell you that in my life, I can think back now of times when it was almost like God must have had his hand on my shoulder, said, no, Roger, don't go that way. Or turn from that. Now, it wasn't particularly some wicked ways, but I can just tell you, like in college, I remember speaking up in class one time and saying something, and I look back now and said, well, that didn't come from Roger. But I'm just telling you that maybe you can identify with this. Think back to the time when you made some decision. And don't just trust it yourself, but trust God who helps you to keep that to sanctify the Lord God in your heart and know that you're justified by faith and you have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That God commended his love toward you. That while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. And you can say, Jesus died for my sins and I receive him as my Savior and I want to live for him. Let me say this in that regard. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things become new. Now I want to tell you what that scripture does not say. You're members of this branch church. I'm a member of Pleasant Ridge Church of the Brethren still. But that scripture doesn't say if anyone be a member of branch church, he's a new creature. As important as it is, for you to be a member of this fellowship, to be a part of a local church, not just surviving in it, but thriving in it, and giving your life of service to it, that's important. As you share your love one with another, and one arm hurts, the other arm hurts, etc. That's important. But keep in mind the scripture says, if anyone be in Christ. So know who you are in Christ, that old things pass away and all things are new and can become new when we trust the Holy Spirit to lead us. And remember where you came from and where God has brought you to. And someone might say, well, I don't know that I came from something too bad. Well, then remember where you might have been and God has saved you out of that. And I could give testimony to that, but I'll share that for another time. Secondly, know your need for power of his love to stand for truth and righteousness and against iniquity. Be one who seeks to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul writing in Ephesians says, don't be filled with the Holy Spirit rather than be drunk with wine. And you think about that and people who are... Uh, People who have that problem with alcohol, what is it that controls them? It's the alcohol that controls them. And people do things when they're inebriated that they wouldn't do otherwise. And you and I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. I think that's what being filled means. It means being, filled, being controlled by that Holy Spirit of God who lives within us 
and teaches us and directs us and sometimes puts a hammer down on us and say, don't go that way. You need to follow the Lord and his teachings. And you need to know the power of God and be strong in the Lord. In that same book, chapter 6, be strong in the Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And as we're talking about all these things today, we need to keep in mind, yes, there's flesh and blood out there that's promoting things that are anti-God, unrighteous. But keep in mind, it's Satan who's behind it all. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. And then it says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Let me camp out on those two words a moment, truth and righteousness. We need to speak truth, but we need to have righteousness on us as well. For someone could speak truth, and it could be really the truth. But if that life didn't stack up to the truth he spoke, then who's going to listen to what he said? Or I say. I had this uh, called to my attention not too long ago. There was a man that, uh, in religious and Christian circles that I greatly admired in terms of listening to him and the truth that he espoused. He just said it in such a clear way. That man passed away not too long ago, and then I found out that his lifestyle didn't stack up to what he was saying. He, wasn't, he didn't live necessarily contrary to all the truth he spoke. But here's what it's done to me. If I were standing here today not knowing what happened to him, I would probably tell you his name now. I wouldn't be afraid to use his name and, and tell you what he said and how I admired him. But I can't do that now. I can't do that now. won't do that now because I identify him with this other thing now. And I don't know how bad it was. I just know it, it wasn't what should have uh, identified him as a Christian. Beth Moore said, Deception is Satan's murder weapon. Ultimately, of course, he deceives people so that they do not believe Jesus Christ. And therefore, they're a robber of eternal life. But the good news is that he's no match, no match for our God. For the one who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Put on the whole armor of God. And know also this truth, that we need to be infused with the word of God. It's nice to have your Bible lying on your coffee table, on your shelf, but it shouldn't be gathering dust. It ought to be used every day. It ought to be opened every day. You maybe have devotional materials as well. In other words, you ought to be exposed somehow every day with God's Word. And whether you begin each day with that, or end each day with that, or both. But you need to know God's Word. 
for all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works and stand for truth, I would add. Truth. No, we need to spend time with the Lord to be bolstered in our thinking, in our Christian life, in the church with fellow believers. Hebrews 10, 25, we're not to neglect the assembly of ourselves together. And I know I'm speaking to the choir again. To have a prayer life, be not anxious for things, but by prayer and supplication, let your requests be known unto God. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. To delight yourself in the Lord, to have the desires of your heart. And some people can easily uh, focus on having the desires of your heart, but the focus here should be for us to delight ourselves in the Lord. I often talk about my love for uh, coconut cream pie. When I eat one of Carolyn's pieces of coconut cream pie, I delight myself in that. <laughs> I mean, I savor every bite. Matter of fact, I'm disappointed when the last bite goes down. It's so good. And we ought to savor God the same way. Savor his word the same way. That I just want more of it. I want to learn more and more and more that I might be built up. And then let God take care of it from there to give me the desires of my heart. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And no, we need to be a dare to be a Daniel in this time we're living in. Be one who rejoices not in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth, just like Daniel did. And finally, to know we need to be a good steward of God's grace in giving, in service, in witnessing, in living. The scripture says in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, that the same, same grace of God that gives us salvation is the same grace of God that teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, but to live righteously and holy in the fear of God. And then to look forward to the coming of our Lord Jesus and to be prepared to do good works for God. That's not a direct quote but it's a paraphrasing of that. Rejoicing in the truth, opposing wrongdoing. We're in the church, and to be, we're to be advocates of God's love, the truth, for biblical correctness. To join with God and be lovers of truth. To rejoice not in evil doing, to participate not in evil doing, but to rejoice in the truth, to rejoice in God's love for the truth, and then to have a right standing that you might stand for what is right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. And I pray that each one of us, each one of us, can adopt this message of hating evil and loving truth, of hating unrighteousness, and wanting to live righteously and holy. 
that we might live in this world, not just live, but stand for truth and holiness and stand against evil and deception and be willing to count the cost. In Jesus' name, amen.